All right, everybody, uh, thank you very much. Getting started with episode 12 of the CX Experience with Cloudlinks here. My name is Frank Wassenberg, and I'm very excited today because we have um, a partnership that's been blossoming for a while with Noble Systems, and we were kind of, we, they were good enough to send us Brett Brassau, um, who's told me his name four times, and I think I butchered it again, so he'll have to smack me in the head when we get this done. But uh, they were good enough to send him to us because some of the product lines that they're launching are uh, exciting, especially in the gamification sector. So, Brett, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, getting set up. Uh, I think I um, I probably caused you some headaches. So I think we're even on the um, on the name pronunciation piece. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's always fun trying to get the, the the audio to sync up. It sounds like you can look like a bad Godzilla movie in about three seconds if you do this wrong. It's really bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we're good, man. Listen, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's 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 no small feat. I can imagine with everything going on in today's world, you guys are probably just super busy with getting people trained up on the system, showing people what the systems are, probably condensing funnels a tremendous amount from sales that were long way off now are probably coming to fruition right now so i really appreciate the time even getting getting you on the calendar yeah no um noble systems is it's fortunate because you know the they have multiple products um it's not just gamification so what we did primarily initially was help a lot of companies get disparate get you know, working from their home. So helping migrate them from an on-premise type of operation where they can now um, kind of business continuity, people working out of their homes and getting their phone system set up because Noble provides a very robust contact center um, um, calling platform. Um, and then, you know, from there, once business continuity kind of um, got set up for most of these companies, it was now, well, how do we, um, manage these folks? Um, how do we motivate these folks? So that's where the gamification piece came in, the employee engagement suite came in, and um, you know, it's been it's been gangbusters, frankly, um, since since the well, really the last probably eight to ten weeks. So yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. You so you've obviously seen just a just an increase in the amount of people looking to implement gamification in the last eight weeks. Is it is it a function of they were losing track of motivation or engagement or just something that they wanted to always implement. And now they saw it as an opportune time to do so. Where did you see the motivation coming? Well, I think the, um, primarily, you know, when, again, like I was saying, it, you're so comfortable in an on-premise working environment where you have, you know, your people right there under your nose. You take a lot for granted, right? You have your whiteboards where you can, walk over and put a notice of the day, or you want to do a leaderboard um, or make an announcement, I can go right on a whiteboard. People walk by it when they come in, they leave on break, they see it, et cetera. Um, same thing with coaching. Um, if you're in a call, have a call center and, you know, you got an agent who's not performing, you can yank them off the phone, take them into the break room um, and counsel them, train them. Um, I mean, you go right down the list uh, in terms of the management activities particularly in and around motivation um, and keeping people highly engaged in work. We don't think about it, but when you're in the work environment, you've got colleagues next to you, it's easy to lean back in your chair and say, hey, how you doing? How do you solve this problem? What's happening on the weekend? That social connectedness um, is, is important. So is the collaborative piece. Um, furthermore, energy feeds energy. So, when you're in an environment where, especially in a call center, when it can be buzzing and whether it's sales or customer service, there's a certain atmosphere that can also get you pumped up, keeps you motivated. Well, when you're at home and you might be sitting in a linen closet or on the couch or, you know, in a makeshift kind of an office, you don't have, you know, that energy. You don't have the ability to kind of stay connected to your peers so easily and kind of you know, feel like you're part of a, of a community, you know, and for, for managers who are so used to being able to, you know, counsel a person so easily because they're over their shoulder, 
Now, how do you do that? How do you go ahead and, and coach someone um, on whatever it is they're trying to achieve? So I think what's happened is, is once these organizations set up their business continuity and they go, okay, we got the phone system in place, we got um, security, everyone's got a data connection, um, then it was like, okay, now how do we manage to organizational objectives? And that's where I think the gamification piece just got popped. Because then, you know, particularly if you have a solution that is robust and wide, um, where you can handle the coaching, you can handle the learning management system, you can handle, you know, all your competitive, your social components. It makes it super, super easy. And you don't have to search for disparate solutions. So um, a lot of companies have realized that. Um, and, um, it, you know, of course, if you're a company who is just figuring out how to get your people paid, right, you're probably not there yet. So we've, we've had companies come in in stages. Um, and I really think it's business continuity is the priority. And once that happens um, and they realize they're going to be okay, then it's, um, it's giddy up and let's figure out how to manage our business effectively. Yeah, I think when you look at this, it's, it's a great point that you bring up because we've, we've kind of called this, not even jokingly, seriously, kind of like the world's largest case study for working at home, right? I mean, there's, there's never been a larger case study where you have more hurdles in people's place in the way of people succeeding than you do today. You've got some fear, you've got their kids at home, you've got um, uncertainty about where some, you know, where job security is for a lot of people. And now it, once that goes away, if people are still at a certain level of productivity, it's just going to be fantastic when this is all over to, to prove out what this case study really looked like. But, and, and we've seen the same thing for people. We've seen them come back and say, it's all hands on deck to get us going. We want to get everybody out of here and we want to get everything set, set up. And then IT went crazy saying, we got to get cameras. We got to get the, 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 everyone's home network up and running. And then once there was a little bit of a slowdown, they had the chance to look at this and say, okay, let's catch our breath. And now let's get our people back on board. Let's get our people back into that community feeling. Let's get people back into that motivated feeling. And it was, I can imagine you saw a lot of that in a big burst once that kind of everyone caught their collective breath and really looked at this from a different angle. Yes, because the other thing too is because the, this coronavirus put this pressure on organizations in terms of what they had to achieve and their financial health, Naturally, they're looking for any kind of edge that they can get. So, you know, that could be an immediate production. So let's say you are in a call center that gets paid on an hourly basis or you get paid on a CPA. Um, and then there is the piece where maybe you're servicing clients and you're trying to meet SLAs. There's a gamut of results that that organizations are, you know, they now we have a truncated kind of time frame for the end of the year. You have quotas, you have business expectations, and a lot of them are looking for that rocket fuel. And ultimately, what that is, is, is that's the employee experience is, you know, you got employee A who's like sitting at home. It's the reality. They're working. And if they're boohoo humbug, that's going to directly impact results. And there's no way organizations can, can, um, can risk that. So what they're, they're thinking is, is, and it's right, is, you know, they want the, they want the employee at, that's at home that is so emotionally charged up, loving what they do and appreciating the job and just trying to knock it out of the park every day and putting out that discretionary effort. So whatever the engagement platform it is, it's it's more i think organizations it's made them take an inventory of hey we were not throwing the proverbial football where the market the trends were were going we were throwing it where people were standing and so because of that we were caught flat-footed so like even in product development you don't ever want to be developing you know, for today, you want to be developing in the future. And in business, I think a lot of organizations were just, were just dealing with what was right in front of them. And it, and it caught them off guard. And, and they do not want to be there anymore. They are 
They are um, hell-bent on making changes and starting to throw the football where, in fact, the runner is, is going. And I think, I think it's going to set them up for tremendous future success. And we're already seeing it. We're already seeing it with our clients who have been able to onboard, get up, and now they're highly motivated at home. They're starting to see unbelievable results. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it's, been, uh, it's, been busy, it's been a controlled busy for us. Um, you know, we're fortunate in that our background, Noble Systems, Jim Noble himself, he, he was in the call center business. He had, he had call centers. So um, particularly when we're dealing with, with the call center industry, we have just super amount of um, knowledge, uh, you know, across the spectrum of our employees just because it's in our, it's in our fabric. So um, it's kind of positioned as well to really help and even consult with organizations to help set them up. Um, properly during this pandemic. So you bring up two points there that I actually I want to kind of explore. One, almost the false start kind of mentality and where companies are trying to go and how to avoid that kind of goof up in launching a system like a gamification engine. Um, and, and, then, and then you bring up the second part, which is where you guys are taking this product line into your overall product set, right? And, and where you guys are taking the overall engine here. But maybe we can look down the first one is, you got a lot of businesses now that are saying, this is something we need. This is something we want to do. Maybe they fast start it. Maybe they don't. But there's a lot of room forever when it comes to a motivation tool like this. There's a lot of room forever when it comes to everyone being away, everyone being dispersed, and you've never done this before. Where do you see some pitfalls for companies that they need to be aware of to avoid a false start? You know, that's a dangerous thing for people to consider. Yeah. The, the classic fail is really um, is not starting with the end in mind. I mean, whether it be our personal life, professional life, this does not change. And it's really important gamification. So gamification, what, what ends up happening is, is that people can get drawn into the really sexy features. That's interesting for sure. But ultimately, everybody's organization is different. So what, what I see a lot is organizations that want to kind of truncate the process. You absolutely have to start at the end. What is it materially you want to achieve? So sometimes we'll get people who say, listen, we want to change morale. And that's great. And it will change morale. However, and it will change it for the better. But, but ultimately, changing morale is the catalyst. Engaging your people is the catalyst for achieving whatever it is, whether it be I want to make more money or keep more of what I make. That typically is where it leads you. So, you know, understanding what that, what that destination is and then who do you want to play? Who are your players? Who are your employees that you want involved? Because organizations have different divisions and those, those play a, um, a different role in helping the company achieve, you know, whatever targets. If I'm a, if I'm a product company, I may have a sales division where there's a clear direct line to revenue, yeah. but I also may have customer service where, um, where our path to revenue is through an amazing customer experience because that helps with, you know, LTV referrals, uh, holistic purchases. So once you determine who the, who the participants are, then it comes down to really understanding the hierarchy of KPIs or data, because clearly not all data is equal. And what, what companies do, um, we see it, is they want to include all kinds of data. And what that does is, is, is that can help, that can dilute the focus of the employee. So if I'm supposed to be focusing on the, the most important um, activities or objectives that help my company achieve whatever it is they want to achieve, anything else I include only dilutes the focus. And, and what happens is you don't end up creating that new normal. Now, new normal is being used a lot today, but I've always referred to in the past as really new normal in performance. So, you know, we were yeah, the new expectations, company. the new, the new belief, what you're trying to foster for people. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think just 
just simply defining those three buckets is probably the three most important things. But instead, you know, we, we, we see companies will start much further down without the destination and say, you know, and they may want to focus on a particular KPI that is, doesn't have real um, relevancy in terms of top part, the, the, the highest hierarchy in terms of what it is they really want to achieve. And if they're trying to validate an employee engagement platform on an ROI basis by not identifying those KPIs properly, then it will be a miss and you will not find success with it. And it probably will create apathy among managers and then it will end up flaming out. So I think that's probably the, the, the biggest challenge or the biggest opportunity for improvement when it comes to onboarding you know, an employee engagement platform like uh, a gamification software. Sure. And now, if you take a look at that, I imagine when you guys start leveling out and you're, you're going through your implementation, there's got to be a lot of personality things that you're considering as well for people. I mean, we've all run sales teams in some way, shape, or form. And some team, some, you have a 10-person sales team, you launch a sales contest, five people don't care about it, four people kind of look at it like, eh. And the one person that knows he's going to win or she's going to win anyway is like, I've got it covered. I love this contest, right? So how yeah. do you guys level set kind of the personality conflicts of, some, you know, some people aren't motivated the same way as other people are? Yeah. So really there's two things there. One is the kind of the player type. Um, like you said, there are some people who are, um, are classified as a, a personality type in terms of the game type uh, um, kind of a player are you whether you are a socializer, um, whether you are a, um, a killer, whether you are an achiever, those are in and around where are, are categories that, that as an individual, you will gravitate towards the type of mechanic that motivates you the most. So you definitely wanna make sure, you, you know, you engage with a platform that's robust enough, that has, you know, a plethora of game mechanics that touches on those type of, um, of traits. And so the other thing is, is that you will have, um, you'll have in a call center, you'll have your top 20, middle 60 and bottom 20. And if you have a platform that is tailored to just your top 20, it'll be a fail because ultimately you don't target your top 20 with gamification. You go after that middle 60. Middle 60, if you're able to affect it, it'll change your culture. And as a consequence, it will certainly change the economics of your business without a doubt. Where you risk your top 20 um, and you, you need to include those is when you have a high level of voluntary turnover among that group. Basically, I don't want to work for you anymore. I want to work for the customer across, or the, the provider across the street. Um, and they're one of your top producers. So that's what I would say about that particular group. And like in our platform, how we offset that, because if, for those who have run call centers before, you're always dealing with symptoms and you're always reacting. So a lot of times, like in a contest, as an example, you may want to, oh my gosh, you know, we're down on SPH. We got to light up a contest. And you go in and you, you, you know, you create it. And well, there's not a lot of math behind it in terms of trying to create equity. You're just trying to get it out the door. Uh, and maybe you'll throw a spiff at it. What we do in our platform, so every data point that we get, we will create a most improved option. So as an example, you're a top 20 rep, a middle 60 rep, maybe it's a dual. And our, my manager wants me to go out and dual someone on sales per hour. If I dual you on the highest sales per hour, you're probably going to, you know, um, take me down because you're a top rep. But if I dual you on most improved, now I got a legitimate shot because now we're competing on the delta of improvement. We do it where we look at historical data and then we create, um, we basically create the ratios. So it's, it's a rolling number. So you don't, the, the operator of the platform, the game masters, they don't have to create those ratios. It's all done. So you can light it up like that, create equity like that. And what it does to the top performer is now if, there's a, if it's a transparent system where optics are high, then, of course, everyone's watching. And we all know that if you're a top 20 person, um, you certainly wouldn't want to lose to anyone perceived below you in status. 
Um, and so you're going to really try hard. It's so going to elevate your game too. So that's one of the ways that we go about and create equity across the spectrum of performers and the, in, in terms of appealing to the wide variety of player types, you know, having a really robust platform, a social component, the ability to, um, to be able to compete, variety of, of features that allow all player types to, to be um, highly motivated and engaged. I love the I love the most improved aspect of it. I think that's one of the missing factors that a lot of people, sales managers, call center managers, they forget. You know, you've got to figure out a way to pull those people that know they're not going to beat that guy or gal. I'm not going to beat them. But if I go up 10 units to their two units today, I've won. And that's a big motivating right. factor. That stokes competitive juices in somebody that doesn't isn't usually competitive. That's right. Absolutely. Now, do you help? Will you look at a company? Because we actually we sat with a company that does uh, workforce management a couple of weeks ago, and we had a good conversation with them. And they said one of the struggles that they were finding with their clients was that they didn't know how to adopt best practices. They didn't know how to build the workforce management system the way that it needed to be built. And as a result, it was being used, but it was like an old phone system for 30 years ago. You know, it was like you're using it, but you're missing out on 90 percent of the features. Now, will you guys come in and kind of like a managed service offering, come in and help these people get going, help them roll it out, something more advanced than just professional services to get the thing launched? You'll, you'll come in and help them? Yeah, so you're right. I think, um, I mean, the software is only as good as what you're using. Yeah. Um, and, if, it, and so when we have a client, we give, they go through the whole implementation. They go through a really robust um, training um, process. They get certified. We actually will help identify a game master um, for our client, someone who um, is going to be the owner of the ROI, ensure that they get the ROI internally at the client. And they'll also be the, the resident expert for the client. Um, and then we have options like we can provide a gamification success director who are our experts who will help focus on your business to make sure that um, that you are constantly having success. Basically, it's your consultant um, internally that um, really helps you be successful and ensures that you as the customer are winning. And so, because we firmly believe if you win, we're going to win. And so um, we're really, um, we're um, very, very, um, uh, Rash on that because that is a, that's a big belief in terms of how we grow our gamification um, customer footprint. The other thing too is we give a playbook, so you will get a playbook day by day how you're supposed to use the software and achieve. And again, it all lines up to what you want to achieve. So here's a good example. You know, um, let's say you are a collection agency, and ultimately. Um, you have your, your goal is, Hey, I want to, I want to make more money and how you make money is you collect more payments. So you, you're saying, listen, Brett, I want to increase our gross dollars collected. Um, and so what we do, we start the process with you and naturally you're thinking, okay, payment conversion, where are your RPCs at, where's your, um, where's your conversion at, where are your payments per hour, where's your promises. But here's the thing. I think, I think we're one of the best at this. And this is what I learned early when I built the platform is you start at the very beginning and you look at the most critical KPIs and we build all this in to the playbook because where we are starting is are your people in the parking lot on time? Are they, are they swiping in on time? Are they logging into the system on time? If you don't do those things, you can't collect any payments. So that's the other piece with us is that I think we understand this incredibly well. So our customers get tremendous advice and they set up the platform properly. Additionally, so keeping it fresh is super important. You got to keep your gamification platform uh, fresh. And so we have our, our best practices, our strategies to help you. And we will help you ensure that the gamification platform does not stay stagnant. 
So, you know, our customers, our customers for a very, very, very long time, um, and they constantly increase their footprint. So I think that is a great testament to the, the, the effectiveness and the staying power. I just did a, I just did a webinar with, with Money Management International, and, and um, the results they got 15 months ago, they have maintained those results. So their new normal has stuck while they've increased that footprint. So that's pretty hard to do. Really hard. But, you know, yeah, and, and that's and that's um, so again, I think it's a testament to how how we uh, help our customers be successful short term and, and long term. Yeah, and I think if you look at it again to, to your point earlier in the conversation, I don't want to pigeonhole you guys into a gamification engine. You've got the full blown context center, so you're looking at how this thing is orchestrated within the system, how it's pulling in omnichannel services, how it's pulling in the call data, how it's doing the entirety of the, the the client, let's just call it the client journey for a simple point, but you're orchestrating that all within the gamification, gamification engine. So you're looking at this as something a little more robust than just, hey, this one piece of the pie, which I think often people miss because just as deadly as looking at one KPI is just looking at one segment of your business. You know, you got to look at this thing as a whole point and, and give yeah. rewards and benefits across the platform for people. Now, if we go back to, to earlier, uh, you were going down a road that, we kind of we took a right turn at a little bit, but where do you see this going across the enterprise as a segment for people? Where do you see gamification being in in, in two years for for enterprises? Yeah, so I think you know I think gamification the the success of it the the sustainability is going to be largely dependent on how smart it gets, you know. It used to be points, badges, leaderboards. I mean, that no longer is, I mean, people, we're beyond that. Yeah. So the value, when you look at, you mentioned Noble's other products, um, and because gamification is agnostic, it sits, so whether you're a Noble customer or not, it can sit on top of your stack. Gamification's role in the technology ecosystem is to actually to play with the other data sources because the other data sources are capturing what has happened. And what you're doing with gamification is, is you are changing um, what you want to happen next with that data. So at the hands of the, of the individual um, employee. So over time, what's going to happen is you're going to find greater integrations. It's going to get smarter. It will end up leveraging historical data. I mean, I talked about how we leverage um, a little bit on most improved. We do the same thing with, with normalization, but um, it will, it will be in a, in a place where data that has happened previously will guide game mechanic decisions in the future, whether that be coming off of employee surveys, whether that be coming off of um, the customer experience itself, Maybe that will actually happen in real time where the experience that is being captured as and when the conversation is happening with a customer or interaction. Um, so there won't be a necessarily a post type of interaction capture. It'll be during and you'll be able to impact that with gamification as the actual interaction is happening. And I think that's the direction it's going. I mean, you can see it today. I mean, whether you have a car and you're speaking into it and you're <laughs> telling it, you know, you're buying tickets or like, it's just becoming more intelligent. We are no longer, gamification should never just, you shouldn't get into it just for points, badges, and leaderboards. It really is to leverage the existing data and, and take whatever is happening here and, and basically create a new scenario that's a winning scenario for you down the road um, on behavior change. And that's important, and I really think it will happen more in real time and be able to affect behavior and outcomes closer to when it's actually happening versus post. So and that's my thought no, on that. I agree. That's a good. <laughs> you've got. I, I love how passionately you speak on this. This is this is this is fantastic. I mean, you can feel it in your voice how excited you are about the product and about what it's doing for businesses. Which is it marries up to why we focus on contact centers candidly because. We could sell MPLS networks to a blue in the face, but it's not 
transformative for an organization the way a good experience is. It's just not. And this is just so much more engaging and so much more powerfully impactful for a customer. It's, it's exciting to be a part of this, this, this change. And you go down the road with kind of the, the experience, right? And that's where I think a lot of people are looking at, especially now, because I want to look back in a couple months and I want to see, did people see an increase in SMS? Did they see an increase in voice? Where did they see increases coming from? Because people are looking for a different experience maybe now than six months ago, right? They're, they may be looking for a different level of interaction now, especially with insurance claims, for example. You know, you, things are going wrong. I need to speak to someone as opposed to just chatting my answer through. Where do you see the experience in the workplace and how do you see how do you see that being really leveraged now for the contact center and for a business? Because there's, a, there's an amazing statistics that pop up all the time around the experience driving the interaction with the client more so than the bottom dollar price, how easy it is to work with a business. Where, where do you see that impact to a company? Yeah, see, and I see the, the experience piece um, a bit disjointed. So with gamification, we often talk about the employee experience and you know we work with clients who want to take the employee experience and that experience is fantastic that impacts some sort of customer experience score and then what so i really think where we're headed there um i don't i don't think anybody is there yet um i hope i hope we get there but basically it's it's tying the it, being able to take the employee experience all the way through and associating some sort of business result. And I'm talking business result on, on, uh, as, a, as a destination. It cannot be managed. So as an example, a revenue. So here's a scenario. If I'm an agent and um, I have a first call resolution rate of 70%, and that yields an X, you know, CSAT, okay, fine. But, but wouldn't it be great to use gamification to raise my CSAT to 75%, or sorry, first call resolution is 75%. That then yields a CSAT of, you know, on average 85%. That then is tied into um, a revenue outcome like, referrals or more holistic purchases or a three-year LTV because right now that is very disjointed and yeah. I don't it, I don't see that as being a um, I, I think that's an opportunity for organizations because then they'll truly understand the value of the actual employee experience and the customer experience and that will appear now as one because right now like I said it's very disjointed and if we move in that direction I think in, in what I was talking about earlier, how you'll be able to impact the experience as and when it's happening, I think that will complete the pictures and it will allow organizations to make purchases of that type of product um, very easily because they'll be able to associate a particular business result, revenue, to an actual experience that is happening starting at the employee level. And right now, I don't think that can be done. So you think it's a, I mean, is it a miss of, I mean, is, is it a miss of the platforms available or it a miss, is it a miss of the management of the contact centers or the businesses to let people know downstream where their success is building into company success? Where do you think the failing is? Well, I, I don't know all the platforms in the market, but um, so if there's one out there, then I, I probably will look um, like a donkey, but I, I don't think there's a platform that offers that. but. Um, I, I, but but here's what we get like fed a lot. Okay, gamification. I want you to show me an ROI on um, NPS. NPS matters the most to us. If you can show us an ROI on NPS, then um, you know we can talk about maybe purchasing it. So no problem. We can talk about the employee activity that impacts NPS. So we'll say, Mister and Mrs. Customer, what impacts NPS? Well. NPS, uh, let's just say um, average hold time or average answer time, first call resolutions and abandon rate. Great, we can target those and we can improve those. 
But if you want to associate an ROI, tell me if we take that MPS and we increase it by 10%, if we increase your, your NPS by 10%, tell me how much more money you make, how many more referrals do you get? And what happens 10 times out of 10 is there's not, they're not linking that. Yeah. There's no link. So I think off, it's, it's a, I just don't think, like, I don't think a lot of companies think about it. And I don't think, um, I don't think there's, if there is products, there's definitely not, not many of them that actually provide that because you're talking about agent activity. You're talking about a customer experience capture and you're talking about, you know, a warehouse where that revenue could be a CRM. Those have to all play very nice together. So that's an opportunity that I thought for a while needs to be filled. And once that happens, uh, Katie bar the door because now people, like I said, will be able to associate a, a true return down to, you know, to the experience um, level. And that, and that's directly brand impacting. I mean, that's, that's the story right oh, there. Yeah. And I think it goes back to your point about people have data, but sometimes they don't even know what to do with the data, right? And, and they're not cross-pollinating that data to other departments and say, hey, guys, we did this. What did you do with it? Where did you see an increase? Where are we seeing referrals? Because that agent may be like, hey, I'm kicking butt over here. Look at, look at NPS is up 20%. What does that mean for me? And, and everyone's like, I don't know. I don't know where it goes yeah. from here. That's yeah. a major fail. And that... If you see, I mean, you probably have a good case study where you've seen NPS go from whatever, X to X plus 20%, right? And you've seen, we did this because of this and, and, and people adopted it and people managed it and people lived it. Do you have one that you could maybe just let, let us, you know, let people hear that's like, we did this, it resulted in plus 20 or plus 10 or whatever, but it was just such a win because the cult, the company adopted it and it just everybody fed off it we have several examples where um, organizations have knocked it out of the park um, they really have in in terms of both top line and bottom line i think what we're seeing a lot of now um, in terms of additional kind of sweet milk as i like to say you know where the where the riches are being harvested Particularly on, um, if you look at like, um, um, if you look at BPOs or you look at organizations in environments where um, unemployment is uh, low, organizations are now using our platform as um, as a talent acquisition strategy, making it part of the center of their of their strategy to say, hey, this is how we are different. We do this. We provide this, this gamification platform. It's a recruiting mechanism. So that's an interesting way they're using it. The other way, again, if, you're, um, if you have clients and you are trying to either keep them, your fulfillment of SLAs is um, much higher chance to fulfill it, to, to satisfy SLAs, to get those contracting used naturally if your people are engaged. It's being used in that theater as well. And the other, the other way it's being used is to solicit new customers. Because here's the deal. If, if you're a product company and you are looking to outsource, let's say, customer service, where are you going to put your work? Are you going to put your work with an organization who is, going, is just doing run-of-the-mill stuff? Or are you going to put your work with an organization who is putting money or investing into the people because if I'm investing into the, my people and I'm soliciting you and your business to give it to me so I can service you, what I'm doing is saying, listen, this is how I invest in my people because I want them to stay around. I want that. I know if they're excited, if they have a, an emotional connection with work where we're going beyond transactional engagement, they're going to stay longer. And when I have an employee stay longer, guess what's going to happen? They'll be able to rebuttal. They'll be able to sound more credible. They'll be able to um, provide that experience to your customers. That's far better because I'm keeping the IP in the seats versus turning people over, over, over. So you know, outside of the regular you know, top-line productivity, bottom-line efficiency gains, 
We're also seeing a lot of organizations take it beyond that and be really creative, both from a recruitment standpoint and a business solicitation standpoint. I, I love those two points. I mean, that's that's huge from a recruiting standpoint, because I think that that's oftentimes an area that's missed is how do you entice the right guys to you? But even from the, the business sales impact, I mean, that's something that if you're leveraging this right, sales should look at this and say, this is why my agents are better. I love that. I think that's a fantastic yeah. avenue to take that down the road because it does. It yeah. just makes it makes you as an organization more more attractive to any end user to say, well, this is why we're this is why we're good. Not necessarily yeah. our secret sauce, but this is what we're doing and we're reinvesting backwards. We're not using this as we're not. It's, it's flipping on its ear. It's we're not using this as a means to hold our people accountable. We're using this as a means to really get the best agents in here. Because they want to work for us in a region, especially in the BPO space where you can take a BPO and you could say, you know, they're the largest employer in that region, right? And there's a lot of people in there because let's say labor is cheap in, in Farshore and Nearshore, whatever the case may be. But those people are jumping ship because they want to go over there because they're friends over there now. And they're doing, they've got what over there? You did what and you got what? That's cool. That's a neat way to recruit and gain clients. Yeah. That's something that people, yeah. you, you never hear about that in the conversation with people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you, when you look at this and you say, all right, we're how many days into this pandemic? Are we now? We're whatever, 70 something days into this pandemic. If you go out six months, do you look at this as an opportunity where you'll look, do you look at this? Do you think you'll look back in six, seven months and say, wow, you know what? Cloud adoption as a whole, really, this was the inflection point. This was where it got adopted from the, the low double digits where it is today, the teens where it is today, and the contact center as a whole. Or do you think it's, it's still going to take some time for people to grab it because of other factors? I mean, I look at contact center, and I'm still in that kind of shocked world that it's still only in the low teens in terms of overall adoption in the contact center space of cloud. Do you think this is an opportunity where you think you'll look back and say that was the time when it just took off? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think fortunately for us, we have we have um, premise and we have cloud. And I think I think Jim made a good decision. They were primarily a premise based company for a while. And then they started going into a cloud. It's the same yeah. code base. And I think that's that's interesting and important, um, particularly when it comes to the just like we have different types of um, player types, I was telling you, we have different kinds of, of companies that, uh, that are out there in different industries. And I think what you'll see is I, you know, the traditional bank and financial institution, a lot of them may just stay premise, but I think a lot of organizations, it's like, you know, when you oftentimes the hardest part of making the decision is just to make the decision. And, um, but when you're forced and you finally do it, then you're like, Oh, okay, this is safe. I'm okay. I think that I think that is what's going to have happened to several of these companies. I think the number of customers that either go 100% cloud or some sort of hybrid solution, I think it's going to be off the charts. I think you will see a lot of that because they will also know that given a situation in the future, that again, they don't want to be throwing the football where the person is standing. And I think part of throwing it where the person is running to is having a flexible solution that allows you to be dynamic with a cloud um, solution with whatever platform you are um, using to run your business. Yeah, I, I, we spoke to a um, we spoke to a partner of ours the other day who said, you know, listen, it would have been great to have a cloud environment, but thank God we had our premises environment because we unfortunately we let go of a lot of people. And we, we flatlined where our cost was. We knew where our expense was going to be. And for a short time, we had a massive burst in, in cost because we had to get people home. But we knew what we were spending and it was already paid for. So we were able to absorb some of the financial hit of this situation right now without having to be holding to uh, external contracts. So it was, it's a different fluctuation in where you see your important levels are, importance levels are now. So I appreciate where you're going with that, having both sides of the coin at Noble Systems, where you can look at Prem and look at uh, cloud-based services. Um, where, where do you see you guys having an opportunity in the market next? Where do you see, because you've talked about the product needing to grow to certain areas. You talked about the business leaders needing to grow to use the product better. Where do you see gamification going in the next six months or the next year 
to really make an impact? Where do you see kind of your product roadmap at Noble? Yeah, no, I think our roadmap will continue to get, um, well, I know it's, it's going to be filled with being um, more intelligent and more intelligent. I mean, more connections. So internally at Noble, we have a plethora of products. So making sure all of those freeways are set up um, properly um, to be able to ingest the data because gamification is nothing without um, the reliance on, on the data sources um, that, it, that it needs to power whatever objective they're trying to achieve. Um, second, it's going to be reducing friction in the software to make the software easier and easier to use. I mean, when, when customers take on gamification, what they're hoping for and what they come, what they come into is preconceived notion like, oh my God, we got another technology project on board. It's not. And so when I built the platform originally, it was to be, it was supposed to be low friction because the job of a call center operator or whatever the business at hand is, is to do that business. So um, it's built that way today, but it will get um, less frictionist um, over the next 12 months for sure. Um, and then thirdly, the other piece is, is that we will, we will um, be using historical data more to power the decision-making within the platform, to make the manager, the supervisor's job easier, um, to make it more uh, to less subjective and more objective by by being able to look at what has worked in the past, so we know what game mechanic is most effective to impact a certain behavior at a certain time um, on a certain group or individual. Though that's a direction that um, we're going down significantly, and it will make our products um, very robust, very intelligent. So I would say on those three fronts, probably you know, increase our connectivity to ourselves and to others, make it less, less frictionous um, to our users and to become more intelligent as it relates to leveraging um, historical data, powering decision-making going forward. Do you see AI getting lumped into that kind of bucket three for you a little more robustly? Everyone kind of talks about AI now and no one knows how to do it really. I feel, I've heard a whole bunch yeah. of different stories on AI being the the holy grail or the anchor around your neck? Yeah. I mean, potentially, I don't think it's something in our six months or 12 months roadmap. Um, but, you know, I think there's opportunity there with gamification. I think, but I also think because it, unless it has a real purpose of creating a new normal inside of the platform, it could end up confusing a customer. So, you know, we've had intermittent conversations about it internally, but nothing has been pen to paper yet in the direction we're going to go. Just some ideas. No, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we've we've looked at a couple different suppliers who are who are leveraging AI differently. And with gamification, it's one of those interesting things, and it falls into QM and how you're automatically managing people's production and performances. So I always get curious when when AI get, can get thrown around too easily or too dangerously almost, because I like the way you go yeah. with it. You're saying... It can be confusing. It can be confusing for a lot of people just to throw out something for the sake of throwing it out. Um, well, listen, we, we've, I've gobbled up in the middle of your workday over an hour of time already. So I, I, I feel bad kind of, you know, the, 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 the workload that you have on a normal day where you kind of, you already, you know, threw it out that you had so many webinars going on right now that you're, you're excited for, to take almost a break from the webinars for you guys and have a uh, not so salesy a day, but this has been great so far. Is there anything you, you want to, you know, kind of leave people with man that you think is, is good to think about if you, if, Hey, listen, if you're talking noble, think this, if you're talking gamification, think this. Yeah. I, I mean, what I would say is this, not to, not to say too much, but I think um, the biggest takeaway with, Leave technology aside for now, but the biggest takeaway with with our businesses, and that including everyone that's involved from an employee or owner level, I think the important takeaway is that we have to be better, and we have to be willing to trust ourselves a little more. That hey, we knew where we know where this is going. I mean, I'm not a religious person. But Noah built the ark before the rain came. That's a story, at least. <laughs> and so um, 
I, and I say that just because, you know, whoever's listening to this. It was like that in the Steve Carell movie, too, man. Steve Carell yeah. did it, too, man. So that's that's proof. Yeah. OK, then. But basically, and I think what in what inhibits us a lot from taking action is just our own fear. And whether it be fear that we're in a group of people, we're talking about maybe product development or business strategy, and we're afraid to talk about where we think this is going. Well, those people right there, I really would like to encourage to speak up because I think that type of mentality is going to help companies in the future because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and as long as we're making educated decisions and we're looking at all the possibilities, um, I think it's super important to, to do that and just encourage people because at the end of the day, there are, there are in this world, there are people like Noble Systems, and there are others too. We do, we do um, a few things very, very well. We support the contact center industry and contact center solutions extremely well. Um, but whatever your business is, there are good partners out there that can help you make those decisions and be part of your strategic journey. And I think if, if anything at all, this should have woken people up to make that commitment and, uh, and to start planning out those strategies. So yeah. that's about it, man. No, that's, a, that's a good way to close, man. The, this is the, the big wake-up call. This is, this is the big wake-up yeah. call, man. This is where everyone gets going. This is where the world kind of was shaken a little bit. Um, as, as we get going here, man, uh, you, know, you know, hopefully the context in the world opens up and it opens up safely. I think there's going to be some challenges for people. You guys are going to play a big role in that for people because – as everyone gets back into their offices, man, the social distancing stuff is going to be a challenge for people. Organizing these groups is going to be a challenging people. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what we don't know about opening up in the context in our world, what shakes out here, you know, and hopefully it's nothing too crazy that we can think about, man. It's going to be an interesting time. But, uh, but Brett, man, listen, thank you very much. I really appreciate Absolutely. you. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time today, man. This has been, this has been a great conversation. I'd love to have the opportunity to pull you back in in a couple months and, and see if some of the things you were talking about kind of come true and see, here's some different case studies, man. Yeah, no, I, thanks for having me, Frank. I really enjoyed this. It's always good wrapping with, you know, um, cool people and just people who care about the industry and, and what's going on. And, and so I appreciate having the platform. You're doing a great thing. And, um, you know, I, uh, I look forward to staying connected. Me too, man. I appreciate it, Brett. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Uh, it's another episode of the CX Experience. Thank you.